A head-to-head published on bmj.com asks, should smokers be advised to cut down as well as quit? To discuss that, we've got two of the authors of um, both sides of this. Uh, First of all, we've got Paul Aveyard, who's a professor of behavioural medicine at the University of Oxford. Hi, Paul. Hi, Duncan. And we've also got Gerard Hastings, who's a professor of social marketing at Stirling and the Open University. Hi, Gerard. Hi, Duncan. Um, so, Paul, you, along with your co-author, Nicola Linson-Hawley, have put the yes side of this. Uh, smokers should be advised to cut down as well as quit. So, in a nutshell, could you explain what your argument is? Sure. Well, a lot of the correspondents thought that we were going soft on the message that stopping smoking and stopping smoking kind of right now is uh, something that we shouldn't be encouraging. That's not at all the case. I don't think there's anything between Gerard and I on that. The best thing a person can do is stop smoking right now. And what we're really talking about is what we can do for all those people who say, okay, so what's the second best thing I can do? And uh, it seemed to me that we've got three possible things we could do. We could say to that person, oh, um, don't bother cutting down. That's not a very helpful thing. Um, You know, go away and think about it some more. And when you're ready to stop, kind of come back somewhere. The The second option would be not to do very much, just not really mention it and let smokers get on with it. And that's pretty much where we are right now in this country. And the third option would be to encourage people to do this by the various means that we use through advertising and uh, through the medical profession, for example, and to support it um, either using uh, behavioral techniques or indeed nicotine replacement treatment of one kind or another to encourage people to reduce uh, and the, re- the argument Nicola and I were putting forward was that if we went down this third route, we think more people will stop smoking in the end than if we try either of the other two alternatives. So that's, the, that's what we were putting forward. Great. Thank you, Paul. So, Gerard, you and your, your co-author, Marissa Andrade, um, your argument's slightly different for the no side. So could you take us through that, please? Certainly. Uh, We we come at this from a a slightly broader context. I think there's been a great deal of focus in the UK in recent time on, if you will, the success rate of people quitting. But we also ought to be thinking about the the quit rates themselves, how many people are trying to give up. And those two figures are are very, very important. And the focus being on 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 the second. And when you focus on that, you think about the sorts of um, uh, support services you can put in place, whether that be actual pharmacotherapies, whether it be uh, services uh, to give cognitive help and so on. But the danger is that you forget about that bigger picture. And I think that's what's the, the, the danger that threatens us in the UK. So we've gone down a route that's emphasised the importance of the individual's dependence on nicotine and policies have been put in place to try and bolster that and help that. But we're not keeping an eye on the broader picture. And in this case, the result, you know, into this, into this playing field of nicotine being um, kind of discussed more openly and, and, and dependence upon it being discussed more openly and indeed a message going out that nicotine dependence isn't the problem, it's the poisons you get when you satisfy your nicotine dependence, then we start to get a a slightly uh, different perspective emerging. One is about the gradual normalization of recreational nicotine use, which bearing in mind is an addictive drug, so 
Is that desirable? We're not thinking through the potential impact of these changes on young people. Where we're getting a we're getting a more blurred message about smoking. You know, it's it's, it's not too bad. You keep going for a bit and then give up rather than the straight. Just don't do it. It's a really bad idea. And on top of all that, we've got a very worrying development of a tobacco industry increasingly interested in this sector of the market. So in, particularly in e-cigarettes, they're buying into that in a big way and indeed are beginning to make um, avenues towards getting into the smoking cessation business as well. And all our experience in tobacco control is that if something is good for the tobacco industry, it's probably bad for public health. <laughs> um, so that's a, a quite simple message there. Good for the tobacco industry, bad for public health. Um, Paul, you've, your, your argument, um, as you said, does look at sort of the individual level. So um, do you recognise uh, what Gerard's saying? Do you share any of his concerns? Sure. To an extent, uh, I think we do. Um, the, the thing I would say is that while we, I, I think we both agree that the major levers that affect smoking prevalence in the UK are not things to do with provision of medication and services for smokers, but they're things like tax policy and uh, the broader sort of uh, sweep of measures that encourage people to think about stopping smoking or not even starting it in the first place. And I think we're both very strongly on the same sort of page that those are important. But I think one of the things that is also important is that you make space for those kind of measures, which often can be experienced as punitive by people who smoke, by creating opportunities for people to get out of that. Uh, and here is another opportunity which will encourage people to uh, initially reduce and then, I, as I say, I think the evidence indicates quite strongly, stop smoking. So I think this is a supportive policy to those bigger public health uh, levers, but uh, I think it's something that will be welcomed by uh, smokers and will be helpful to some of them who will stop as a result of it. Um, okay, so Gerard, uh, that's a sort of a pragmatic argument about stopping smoking. Um, I mean, your argument is, is, as you say, a sort of wider societal potential one. So um, what about that sort of pr pragmatic view that actually, you know, it's just important to, to help the people who are smoking now cut down and, and hopefully stop? Yeah, a couple of thoughts in response. First of all, pick up on uh, on Paul's first um, comment. I think he's absolutely right. 90% of the, of what we uh, think about tobacco control, we're absolutely in agreement on. And you know, the, the big population level activities of taxation and point of sale um, display restrictions and ad bans and so on. These are you know the, the big things that may make a, a massive change. So yeah, absolutely agree with that. I also agree with him, uh, partially at least, on the idea of, of uh, how we deal with smokers, how we relate to smokers. We have to deal with them with respect, and I think there is a danger sometimes that tobacco control gets a little bit above itself and starts patronising people and starts lecturing and, 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 and preaching to people. So is is spot on with that, I think, as well, that you know smokers have a, an important role to play in this public health problem. We should give them support and help that we can. However, I think there's another angle, and his third point about this creates a space where you can do other uh, tobacco control activities. I think the, the, the real problem at the moment is that that space is now being populated by e-cigarette companies and tobacco companies, as well as pharma companies and tobacco control. And I think that's going to make it increasingly difficult 
for us to take action. Uh, we have a situation, for example, where the European Commission has now said that it will regulate e-cigarettes in 2016. But a big problem they will have is a massive and very powerful advocacy group on behalf of e-cigarette manufacturers and, and the tobacco industry themselves who are now producing these, which I think is going to make policymakers' uh, room for manoeuvre much more restricted, in fact. Hmm. I mean, I, I think we have to um, think more broadly. I mean, smoking reduction isn't just about e-cigarettes. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, for example, we talked about the evidence that approaches to help people reduce, you know, various schemes and methods by which they may reduce actually will improve people's ability to quit, which has absolutely nothing to do with e-cigarettes or uh, pharmaceutical companies. Uh, and, of course, Gerard's right that there are, there are definitely threats if we come to the point of where we're saying, and actually it would also be helpful if people who were cutting down used nicotine in some form or other. At the moment, the um, you know, preferred vehicle of get people getting nicotine to do this is through e-cigarettes. And of course there are risks. I mean, this is uh, the tobacco industry. This is, uh, in one shape or another, an industry whose primary motive is making profits. But uh, at the same time, there are also potential benefits. And um, while I think we need to be cautious and ever vigilant about, for example, issues like uh, children picking up use of e-cigarettes and of sort of rehabilitating the uh, cigarette into sort of a, a respectable thing in society as opposed to a, a shunned thing, then I, I think we have to keep an eye out for that. At the moment, I would say the evidence is not pointing that way and is pointing towards the fact that many, many smokers are seeing these as a way out of smoking cigarettes. And it's actually sort of helping us, you know, get more people off cigarettes and uh, sort of turn their back on them rather than uh, introducing new people to smoking. Yeah. Um, I, again, I would uh, heartily agree. The you know the, the uh, need for caution and vigilance is 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 uh, that point is is well made. Um, my anxiety essentially is that we have gone down this path very very quickly in the UK, much faster than say they have in Australia, where they've adopted a much more precautionary principle on this. And I find it odd that Paul and I are now having debates about whether this is a good thing or a bad thing after we've committed to the strategy. And it's going to be very difficult to unpick this. For me, the better uh, modus operandi is to gather your evidence, think through what you want to do and then do it rather than do it and see what happens. And really, that's the terrain we're in at the moment in the UK. We don't know where this is going to go. I mean, Paul is right. Early indications are positive, but we shouldn't be relying. We shouldn't be crossing our fingers that these indications are going to continue to be positive. We should be, first of all, thinking through what the right thing to do is and then enacting it. And we've just kind of let a genie out of the bottle, I think, in the UK because commerce is so quick to jump on a profit-making opportunity, we've got a, an absolute burgeoning of marketing for these products. So, you know, the fact that Paul says, and I agree with him, that e-cigarettes aren't the whole story, they're rapidly becoming the whole story because there's so much money to be made out of them. Um, I mean, that is interesting. Uh, and the, the different um, ways in which people potentially use electronic cigarettes uh, compared to other nicotine replacement, um, you know, as, a, as an alternative to smoking as opposed to uh, a method of uh, helping them 
quit. So, uh, Paul, does that concern you, or is there any data that you know that that suggests that this might be a problem? Uh, I think we have data that suggests that actually, if anything, they appear to be slightly more effective as a form of nicotine replacement therapy, at least in helping quit attempts. So um, data released this week in a journal article showed uh, some evidence of improved uh, quit rates in kind of the general population, as it were, using uh, e-cigarettes to help them quit smoking. And people who used e-cigarettes were more successful than people who, who didn't and also more successful than people who used NRT, which they, they bought. Uh, so I, I think... The, the evidence is encouraging that uh, smokers are using these things as a way out of smoking and not as a way to rehabilitate smoking. And I guess I'd say to Gerard, that unless, unless something looks like it's broken, why fix it in advance? Um, I, I, think, you know, I think we are going to see some important benefits coming from these products, but we have to be vigilant and we have got surveys in place in order to uh, look at this as to whether there are downsides, but so far the upsides uh, look very positive. You know, the, the, the danger with that is that if, if downsides appear, there's nothing all we can do about it, frankly. It is, it is just too late, and that's, that's the danger of that uh, way round of doing things to act and then see if it works. And I, I think I, I would also want to just put a, a word of caution in there about quit rates versus success rates, because my, my understanding of, of not just the one study, but the, the uh, meta-analysis of the studies so far is that whilst this may have some beneficial effect on the success of an individual quit attempt, it's actually having a depressive effect on the number of quits that are attempted. And when you remember that vast majority of quit attempts are unsuccessful at first try you know we need to encourage people to keep on trying so that the the actual quit rate as opposed to the success rate is very very important agreed but i i would say overall the evidence is that people who use nicotine replacement of any kind are more likely to make a quit attempt in the uh you know in the period that follows uh as well as it being more successful so the overall net effect is a benefit can I, can I just jump back to something we said earlier, and I think we both agreed on this, and I think it's important just to underline it, that you know, we, we inevitably in these discussions get pulled down into that 10% where we disagree about you know, um, the, the role of, of nicotine and, and so on. We need to remember the, you know, the overwhelming fact that the vast majority of smokers have given up smoking by simply deciding they're going to give up and walked away from it. So, you know, we, we don't want to create this impression that the only way you can give up smoking is by getting professional help or following up a therapy or using some sort of alternative nicotine device. It is possible to give up. And that one of the great dangers is that because the, the, the debate gets framed in that way, because that's the contentious area, we end up actually creating this impression of quitting smoking being more difficult than it need be. It can be very hard, but a lot of people manage to just, you know, through sheer determination, say, right, I'm going to stop now and do it true and the only thing i'd add as a rider to that is um when you start to talk to people about you know smoking is an addiction far from dissuading people from quitting if anything it seems to encourage them to do so so i i'm not not as worried that um the idea that we we say here are these things that can help you stop is a deterrent i think um, there's no evidence that that's true, and such evidence, and it's slight, uh, points to the opposite.
Uh, I think the, the trouble is you've got to put into that debate what the vested interests in the marketplace will do. And the fact that we now have tobacco companies buying up these nicotine delivery devices, they will perforce, we require them to do this with our, the fiscal arm of government, use them to maximise their returns to shareholders. That means they will use them to support tobacco consumption. Okay, well, I think that's a good point to to leave that on. So, uh, all in all, um, there's more agreement than disagreement about quitting smoking, but uh, a little bit of uh, contention about uh, a small 10%. Gerard Hastings and Paul Aviard, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks.